0: one into the night, Jimmy Rodgers going to try for three, here he comes, in the air, down the right field line, way right back there, on an RBI hit by Mitchie Poe. here's the throw to the plate, it's in the air, he is, oh, the 0-2 pitch, look
1: the best, don't give What is going on everybody, welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast, I am your host Ty Dobbert. Coming at you with another episode after the Phillies' nine-game winning streak has been snapped. Unfortunately for the team, they kind of lost no blowout to the Diamondbacks on Sunday. But still, I don't think that takes away from the incredible week and a half that came before it with, you know, Phillies get a win against the Giants in Joe Girardi's last game as the manager. They fire him, they bring in Rob Thompson, and they go on an absolute tear. Feels like all the, the vibes are a little bit different. The team just looks different. They come out looking like the offensive team they were supposed to be. The pitching is is out there supporting the offensive efforts. And I don't know. We're just gonna have to get into what ha- what changed with the Phillies, what what that means for the rest of the season. Can they keep what they've found under Rob Thompson so far going? So to discuss that, I have my co-host Nathan Ackerman as always. Nathan, how are you doing?
0: What do you think of the Phil's so far under Topper? I'm doing well. They obviously look like, you know, an entirely different team. And I think the thing that was most encouraging to me about the nine game win streak and the reason why I would be most inclined to be like, oh, this is for real and actual thing is that they were they were winning games in all kinds of ways. There were two games they won 10 to nothing. There were two games where. You know They came back late in games that they should not have won, like the Angels game with the Stott walk-off, the Harper Grand Slam, and then the one that I thought was even more improbable, which were the two solo home runs off of Josh Hader in the ninth, and then there were some games where they were up big. The bullpen started to do its classic bullpen thing where it's a six-run game, and they make it a one-run game, and everyone's like, no, this again. The old Phillies are back, and then they score a couple runs later, one or two runs late, and they... Hold the lead and they and they win that game. So it was like they were finally finding ways to win rather than being incredible at finding every possible way to lose. And honestly, I think one of this team's biggest problems over the last few years, yeah, the bullpen's been been terrible. The offense hasn't hit always. The starting pitching has usually been good, but there are some bad starts here and there. But I think the biggest problem is just they don't know how to win. And it feels like now they do
1: yeah at least for for a week and a half or so they figured out ways to win like you said i just uh, while we recap you know the streak that they went on i just wanted to go like what was the most memorable when you think back cuz honestly this was like a pretty special run like i think it, they like they the way they got people excited again for this team like that doesn't happen every year um Especially the way that some of these seasons have gone for them, a few other a few other points are like the Harper Grand Slam in 2019. I think people started to believe again, but it's like the over the last decade or so, like this team is mostly disappointed. And I think just like a streak like that, where the where the vibes uh, shift and the team goes on a run to put themselves like kind of back in the wild card race, even though it's still early. Like that that's unique and pretty cool. And I think it'll be something that people do look back on no matter what happens in the rest of this rest of this season even if it, it goes straight downhill from here people be like ah, oh, remember when they won on that streak to like make us believe again i think i think that'll happen so like which moments in in that winning streak do you think people will look back on most i'm guessing the uh the harper grand slam is probably number one on on the list there early in it against the angels but i was wondering if you had any any moments maybe some of the not as obvious ones that you think people might be able to look back on.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Harper grand slam maybe, but it tied the game and then they lost the, you know, they went down in the ninth and stopped was ended up being the one who walked that walked that game off with the, with the three run homer. The thing about the Harper grand slam there in the eighth was that in the moment it was like, this is awesome. You know, it's going to be one of those Harper moments. Like it's like the grand slam against the Cubs and then they go down and you're kind of thinking and they go down to their last strike too and you're kind of thinking oh it's going to be another Harper moment that's just like wasted because yeah even though they won the Cubs game they you know went what was it 17 and 23 after the Cubs to um you know miss the playoffs and do another one of their classic september collapse things and it was like that was a great moment but you know in the end what does it really mean that kind of like ruins it it was still cool but so that was what that was what i was that was where I was at with the Harper thing last, what was it? Sunday. And then Stott comes in and he walks it off. And that was honestly, if you're, if you're talking about what was more unexpected, like it's gotta be the stock thing. But then even after that game, there were, there were some people who were like, and I, and I don't think this is entirely wrong um, who were saying, you know, it's the angels, you know, it's, they were, they had lost their last eight or nine or 10 uh, it's just three games against the angels, who are not playing well, let's see them do it against a real team. And then they have an off day, which can, you know, tend to kill the vibes at some points. And then they go into uh Milwaukee and they're down two to one in the ninth. And you're like, okay, the streak's going to end. Josh Hader's coming in. Yeah, there's no way they can actually do this. And then they pull one out of nowhere. And Bowman Veerling hit those two bombs that nobody saw coming. It was his first blown save since july 7th of last year which is exactly 11 months to the day which is crazy yeah and it happened against a good team and a good pitcher and that was the I, honestly i think that was the more the most memorable part of the whole streak because then it was like they actually did it against a legit team that's playing even okay they had lost a few straight games but they're still a good team and that's still like the best reliever yeah, in
1: against against hater who hadn't given up a run yeah exactly forever.
0: Yeah, so I think that was that was the from from a pure like memorable, exciting moment standpoint, you probably go with the Harper Grand Slam or the Stott walk off. But in terms of like a, oh, this might be legit standpoint, like that hater comeback was incredible.
1: Yeah, no, it it was it was completely completely unexpected. Especially, um, I thought the Bohm home home run was like, oh wow, like yeah it's not a guy who hits a ton of home runs. He definitely definitely doesn't pull the ball a ton and to do it against like an elite reliever. And then once they had it going, it was like, I think it did start to creep in people's minds with another, another righty up like, Oh, maybe, maybe Veerling he'll do something here. And then he did. It was that, that was really incredible. I don't think and it did.
0: I don't think it did for me. was thinking, okay, It did for well, me. I'm not you're gonna the lie. only one. I don't think anybody else is <laughs> thinking, Oh, Veerling in his first at bat back too, by the way, he was, he was just called back up that day, pinch hitting for moniac and he just launches yeah. one like this is the this is the ground ball extraordinaire, and he just ranks <laughs> one. Like, and there was
1: there's another spot before where moniac came up earlier in that game against Hobie Milner with a runner on, and they ended up saving Veerling for I guess hopefully a moment against Hater. I guess that's what you're thinking of, <laughs> and it worked, which is which is wild to think of. Another Veerling thing, like this isn't actually like a big moment or anything, but if you know you ask me in a year like what are some things about that winning streak uh, i think them playing veerling at second base is like one of the funnier things that they've done in a while guy who's never played second base in his life um told the team 2 years ago in the fall at minor league instructs like hey you can put me wherever I'll do it. I, and they put him at third last year in the minors, some, and he played third a, a bit in college, but middle infield, he hadn't done that since high school, I'm pretty sure. So it was just, it was pretty cool. He, and he finished off the game with a, a ground ball and it's stuff like that, that, you know, the little things that who knows if Girardi would have done that, but when a, a manager is kind of rolling and he tries something unique and it and it works, it just like sticks out. Something yeah. you can remember.
0: Yeah, and this this to me ties into like an overall early takeaway I've had about, uh, are you team Tomper or Topper? Your team it, Topper.
1: Topper, Topper. Okay. I, I know he, I think Todd Zalecki wrote um, in a newsletter for MLB.com that, you know, Rob Thompson, like people call him like a million different nicknames. And it's usually like a variation of something closely resembling his last name, like a shortened version of it. That if he had to pick one, it would probably be Tom's, but he answers pretty much to any of them, and it's been it's been kind of fun for me to read some quotes that come out from the players where they talk about him and see which one they go for. I think I saw yeah. the other day that Moniak called him Topper. I think I saw that on on Sunday in a tweet or story pregame. So, yeah, I'm I think Topper is like the funniest one, so that's what I usually go with.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at at this point, but it's mainly just because everybody else is going with that too. But like the thing that I don't like about it is the weird fun quirk about Rob Thompson's name is that there's no P and most Thompsons are Thompson. So it's like, why wouldn't that translate to the nickname? <clears throat> like, why wouldn't you keep that fun little quirk in there? So I, I, Tom's honestly is probably the best one, but if everybody's going Topper, I'll go Topper. But anyway, back to what I was saying about the early Topper era. And this isn't like this is going to be not, um, how do I put it, intellectual baseball analysis. But I feel like he does things for the vibes. Does that make sense? Like putting Veerling at middle infield and playing all the other young guys and putting guys into weird situations and keeping young guys in there when you could pinch hit. It's like some of those matchups on paper like probably aren't favorable but there is something to the whole, as he was, as he said about, you know, the young guys are a spark and they provide life. He doesn't, he doesn't try to like defend these, these moves with, Oh, if you look at Veerling's high school career, he played second base and he didn't make any errors and he had a you yeah. know, really good defensive run saved in high school. It's like, he's just like, I, you know, it just feels like it's a, why not kind of thing. And I exactly, think there's some exactly. value to that. Like I'm a big, I, I, I'm not anti numbers. I, I think they should be relied on for most moves that a manager makes, but there is something too, you know, you make a change. All these young guys are playing well. They do provide life and, and a spark just play them. So I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, one of the things that I've taken away from Topper is that he's, he's a big vibes guy. And I think that's important for a team.
1: Yeah. And I still think personally as a whole, I think that, I think that when it comes to like vibes and chemistry and stuff like that, I think it's winning that causes good vibes more yeah, than so. vice versa. Yeah. But at the same time, when it, when DD Gregorius is due for a day off, cause he's coming, he had been coming off an injury and you don't really have like you're down and infielder and you just sent Scott Kingery back down because he has not been very good. Um, like what? It who does it hurt to if you don't think Veerling is going to destroy you out in the field? Like it has to. It has to like energize the players a little bit in the first inning when he hits a grounder. When there's a grounder hit to him and he makes the play at a position he's never played, like that. That has to get the guys up a little bit. They they have they're on the top step of the dugout um, cheering for him when that happens. So you know when the vibes are good and you have like little opportunities where. You can just keep keep the players into the game and keep um, you know just keep the energy level high. I I don't think there's much downside to it because it's it's not like they're you know Gene Segura is down. It's not like they're benching Gene Segura to play Matt Vierling at second. Like they Didi needed a day off and they went with something interesting uh, to keep his bat in the lineup. So I have, I have no real issue with it. Other than somebody did make the point to me that. I get Oduble Herrera did come up in the minors as a second baseman. So like they could have done that and like had somebody who actually played second before, uh, because he was also in that lineup that day, but whatever. Veerling, Veerling was definitely, it was more fun to have somebody who had never played there before uh, go out there.
0: My thought when I first. Better decision. Yeah. My thought when I first saw the lineup drop that day. After after you know checking three times to see if I actually read what I thought I read was, can you imagine if Girardi did that? Yeah. So <laughs> like like first of all first of all it's, it's, it's important. That. Yeah, it's it's important to say Girardi would have never done that. Uh, for for better or for worse, probably you know. Well, we don't need to get too much into that. But like that he, that, that he that's, did that's he did
1: play a... he he did sub in at second base once.
0: That's true. Were they? Was it a close game? Or were they getting blown out?
1: Uh, I think I think they were getting blown out.
0: Yeah, okay. So, but like Girardi wouldn't have ever done that. And if if he did, like he would have gotten killed for it. Like, just absolutely killed. Because everybody would have been, you know what they would have done was they said, because they were trying to get uh Gregorius the off day, and they were set on giving him the off day. They would have done the whole, oh, there's no flexibility just because he needs an off day, why can't you just give him the off day tomorrow and put put him at, or put him at short and put Stotted. It's like, and like, they wouldn't have been wrong to do that. And that doesn't mean that I think playing Veerling at second was the wrong choice. Like, I don't think any of these takes are necessarily wrong. It's just funny because when Topper did it, it was like, Oh, this is so fun. Look at this new guy, Topper, bringing so much energy to this team. And if Joe did it, he would have gotten ripped. Now I will also say, I think that's somewhat justified because thompson was on a like seven game win streak and because uh you know the previous regime was not as um yeah how how, how can i put this successful i guess so you know you you i i I probably would have would have ripped joe for doing that too but he didn't do it so you
1: you get the you get the benefit of the doubt when you're when you're winning games and yeah it, it 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 hasn't felt like Rob Thompson has held back the Phillies in certain ways. like Joe Girardi did in with different situations and how he's handled different players. So even if two guys would have made like one common decision, the perception of it is, is different when, when things are going well versus when they're spiraling, like it's just how it works. Yeah. Um, and you can't really like, you can't always do things for the vibes when you're like at rock bottom and, and spiraling like you have to do still like you got to play the best players like you can't always afford to play just a vibes guy when the other guys aren't hitting and they've been hitting lately so it's something you can afford
0: yep that's all i got about the nine game win streak oh the starting pitching has been good uh and yeah, i, I very think good. we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit more about the starting pitching specifically the back end of the starting pitching uh, yeah. but I mean, they, again, back to the whole, they were finding ways to win games. Like they would win some because there was a game where Nola went six innings, five runs and he imploded in the fifth. And then they came right back with four runs in the bottom of the fifth. And they held that lead. That was the Giants, the first Giants game, actually the one that, uh, the, last, the, game, right? the last, yep. Um, and then there were some games where, you know, Nola went eight innings, no runs or Suarez went seven innings, two runs, or Kyle Gibson mm-hmm. went. You know, Wheeler went eight innings, no runs. I think, do they have three different eight scoreless innings or maybe two, but like one was eight innings, one run or seven scoreless mm-hmm. anyway? And it was, it was like every, oh, Zach, Zach Eflin. I'm pretty sure Eflin, Wheeler, and Nola all did it. Maybe not Wheeler. Okay. Whatever. Point is, everybody during that streak had at least one good start. Some of them had two yeah. gems. And it was like, if that team's going to pitch like that, and hit anywhere close to where we think they can, like they're going to win games.
1: Yeah. So like you said, the uh, those are kind of our big takeaways from the winning streak. Of course it ended on Sunday as the Phillies got blown out by Arizona um, in the last game of that series, Ranger Suarez did not look too great at the same time. The defense did him no favors, like right from the start, Alec Boehm made a bad play and, um, You've heard of that one before, two, two, two of place. them. Yeah. Well, one
0: of them on, on on the line drive he probably could have turned two on the ground ball he definitely could have turned two.
1: Yeah, and they what got none right. None.
0: Yeah, they, and they yeah. also could have could have turned two on the on the on the comebacker that JT just dropped.
1: Yeah, that was the, that was the big one where they had bases loaded and it was still a zero zero game. Ground ball right back to Ranger Suarez. He throws it to JT Relembuto at home and he just does not catch the ball. Like, like I don't know what happened there, but they, they seemed kind of buried from there, and they still like early on had a chance to like get back in it, and then it just spiraled from there. Garrett Stubbs ended up pitching. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so
0: <laughs> there was there's a moment there. That's the what it goes. Yeah, there was a moment there in the uh, fourth or fifth inning. Man, I should have checked that before I started this thought when they loaded the bases with one mm-hmm. out and that was when you're kind of thinking oh this is the ending they're gonna do it again they're gonna you know break through they're gonna tie this thing up or they're gonna score a bunch of runs and then castellanos and real meet up let's strike out and it's like okay and from from that point on it was pretty much yeah they're they're and then the diamondbacks come back and score four runs in the sixth and that was when it was like this yeah. is definitely over so i don't know whatever i it was you know, if you're gonna I mean, if you're gonna lose, you might as well lose hard. And yeah, exactly. Stubbs. Stubbs was their best
1: pitcher. Uh, yeah, on the day, real. I tweeted this, but real Neil Walker 2020 vibes from that one game where he pitched and didn't allow a, a run, and then he was better than like 12 of the Phillies relievers on the season. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I just I don't. They got blown out, but I don't think it matters that much. Um, but. As a whole, I just, you know, with it with the streak ending and coming off a blowout and then looking forward to the Marlins, like, do you think they're going to keep the winning going, the Marlins even? So I, just anecdotally, it feels like they don't play well against them, and I think that's something the players are aware of, at least the ones who have been around for a while. Maybe, you know, Kyle Schwarber doesn't care about the Marlins, but I think Bryce Harper and um, Reese Hoskins and players like that, like, they're aware they're aware of this. Um, I don't think
0: it's just anecdotal. Like that's a thing.
1: Yeah, I guess like it probably feels
0: worse than it is. Probably I, they're I probably they're, they're 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 probably around five hundred or a little bit below. But it 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 feels like they lose three out of every four games against. Them. Yes,
1: exactly. So just with the Marlins coming up, like, what do you think? What do you think people should expect from the Phillies right now?
0: Uh, I mean, you know, it's Sandy Alcantara tonight against NOLA, which is going to be a good one. But, you know, if they come out and lose to Alcantara, I don't know if I'm going to be like, oh, the old Phillies are back. They should probably win two out of three from this team. But I don't know. I mean, I don't don't know if I'm putting a ton of stock into, I don't know, how they play against the Marlins. Because the Marlins are fine. Like, they're not a bad team. they were on a little win streak of their own. Every team in the National League. They have good pitching. Yeah, yeah. I think they 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 just had a five game winning streaks uh, broken like yesterday. But yeah, they pitch well. They're a scrappy team. I think they're not. They're always better than what they're twenty seven and thirty one right now. It feels like they're a better team than that. Maybe it's just because I watch them the most when they play the Phillies, and they do look like yeah. a better team than no, that. I
1: think I'm pretty sure they have a good run differential. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they have, plus they have, plus twenty three.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good
1: for that's way better than the brewers
0: yeah like it's only two or five right? worse than the five worse than the Phillies and the Braves who are never going to lose again so yeah. yeah I mean look the Marlins are are, are a fine team Sandy Alcantara is <clears throat> probably the Cy Young front runner right now if they come out and lose this game it'll be you know yeah it'll suck to go from nine straight to two straight losses but you know come back and win the next two I think I'm you know I wouldn't really press the panic button if they lose this game or even if they lose two out of three i mean i don't know i don't know what i saw from the nine game streak i guess what i what the reason i said is the the nine game win streak felt real and we always say this like this one was different this one was real they're actually a good team yeah but like this one felt real enough to the point where if they lose two out of three to the marlins they can't get swept that would that would be disappointing but if they lose Mm -hmm. two out of three to the marlins i'm not going to be like oh it was a fluke They're back you know maybe if they lose two out of three and then like lose four out of five or three out of five to the nationals that would be brutal but but uh,
1: here's like the other significant part of that that long win streak coming like where it did so like before that last into the giant series um where they were when they were at what 21 and 29 they they felt like dead and buried they felt like they were out of it in like still in May, right? Or like right at the yeah. start of the right at the start of June, they they felt like they were like their season was like maybe done because of the hole they had dug for themselves and winning nine straight the way they did and bringing some bringing themselves back one game over five hundred now they're back at five hundred um, they don't have to go on like a nu- like it'd no. be nice they don't yeah. have to go on another nine game winning streak like they're firmly in it. And if they can, even if they hover around 500 um, like into September or into August, they're back in the race. And then they just have to like close it out with a good month, right. At the end of the season where they don't have to feel like they need to go on like the big win streak. They kind of got that out of the way. They just have to play a little yeah. bit better than they had been um, you know for the rest of the season so it, like it's just not a daunting task like it was like right before it they got it out of the way no. which is which is nice for them
0: yeah no they're they're three and a half games out of the wild it's it's so funny how they started this this win streak 12 and a half back and they're still nine back right now like the east is so over I guess the Braves and the Mets could sort of scrap it out especially if the Braves never lose again they've won 11 straight uh but you know they're not they're they've no chance to win the east I Maybe they go on a nine-game win streak and six of those games are against the Mets, and then circle yeah. back to me. But they're the three way, and a half games way, out of.
1: Very funny that the Braves go
0: on a win streak like hilarious. right at the same yeah. time. Very uh, funny. objectively hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But they're 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 three and a half games, which I feel like the Braves win streak was getting way less attention than the than than the than the Phillies win streak. Maybe it's because of the of the whole Thompson thing. But like, it's at least two games longer, and they've looked just as good. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like- it's the managerial
1: thing. The yeah. way
0: like the Brave the Atlanta wasn't like
1: spiraling the way the, the Phillies were,
0: I yeah. guess. And it's also like the people expected the Braves to be good because they, you know, did good things last year, obviously. But they're three and a half games out of the third wild card right now. It feels like there's sort of five teams, maybe six if you count the Marlins fighting for three spots between the Padres Giants, Braves. Whoever doesn't win the central and then the Phillies, Um, so yeah, three. I mean, and then there's three spots right now, so it's. I mean, you're not going to have to win 90 games to get into the playoffs if they, as you said, go into September at 500, which would be a disappointment. I will say they shouldn't Mm -hmm. do that, but if they did, they still have a chance. And like you said, when they were when they were down at 21 and 29, you were kind of like, oh, they're going to need some massive hot streak just to get in the race well they're back there it is they did it so now they're back in the race
1: yeah and i wanted to to touch on you know we we kind of you glossed over this um about their starting pitching and how they've gotten really good starting pitching and they're like that's what's gonna along with the hitting but the starting pitching can really carry them for like long stretches um like it did just like the past couple weeks but um Specifically, I wanted to touch on on Zach Wheeler. Like you mentioned, Sandy Alcantara being probably the NL Cy Young frontrunner, the too early frontrunner. But Zach Wheeler like has to be right there right now. Um, Again, after finishing second last year. And it is, I was talking about this with some friends the other day. It is like pretty wild that two years ago or like three years ago now, when they signed Zach Wheeler, the thought was, We think he can take the Garrett Cole leap, and then he did, which is like absurd. It really is absurd. That doesn't happen very often. It feels like there are a lot of free agents signed by teams with the idea of, oh, he can be the next insert guy's name who broke out. Um, and but it doesn't always work like that. And for Zach Wheeler, it did work, it did work like that. Um, And it has for like his third season now since he um, came to Philadelphia and he's carrying them right now. They're getting, they're getting really good pitching out of Aaron Nola as of late. And like, it's the top of the rotation that they envisioned putting together in 2020. And they didn't really get like Nola's end that much last year. They got Wheeler's end of it. And right now they're both pitching really well with Zach Wheeler being one of the best pitchers in the league for the
0: honestly third straight season, 2020 was short, but he was really good then too. And Wheeler's last eight starts. He's allowed more than two runs once. And it was three. He through his, through his first three starts. He had an 8.53. At this point, he's down to a 2.84. So yeah, he's been incredible. Obviously pitcher of the month in uh what was the month before June, May. I think that is. He's he's right up there in the Cy Young conversation too. I think he's still a little bit behind. Obviously, I think you would agree to. But uh, by the way, when I said Alcantara is probably the front runner for Cy Young, I forgot about Joe Musgrove. He's in the conversation too. Might be a toss up between yeah. those guys. But Zach Allen is
1: probably in the conversation too until the Phillies got a hold of him.
0: Yeah, I'm going to play a little game. Guess for me right now, who leads the National League in WHIP?
1: In WHIP? In WHIP. Oh, for starters, man, I have no,
0: I have no idea.
1: Can Aaron you give Nola. me the division?
0: Is it, it's Aaron Nola? Aaron Nola leads the National League in whip 0. 0.88. Joe Musgrove is at 0. 0.93 and uh, Alcantara is at 0. 0.94. I
1: could tell you who does, first of all, that's absurd. I could tell you who does not lead the National League in whip. And that's Brad Hand that guy that guy has the fakest era of all time but they should yeah. just stop bringing him in with like runners on ever he's good outside of that i think broadhand yeah. <laughs> his width is so high his era is still in the twos i'm pretty sure yeah
0: yeah but anyway the the, the front of the starting rotation i think like nola again he has he has a he's a three five and people have been saying this so i'm not going to credit myself with being the original haver of this take but like Nola's 3.50 in run average is also fake. That's way lower. That dude's at like 2.7 at the worst.
1: He's been so (laughs) much better
0: than that. Well, it's like, it's the same thing.
1: And maybe this will change with with Thompson, where I can think of like a couple starts, including the last Giants start, like the last start under Girardi, where it's like they just leave in Aaron Nola like an inning too long.
0: Like maybe, but also... It feels like that's happened a lot less in his last few few starts, and Correct. when it does happen, when he does allow runs late in games because they leave him in for those spots, it doesn't feel like it's the classic Nola implosion. It feels like, oh, he happened to give up some runs, and they happened to come in the sixth, you know, because then then he'll come out mm-hmm. the next game and it will go seven innings one run or eight eight innings no runs, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, if if you leave guys in, they're gonna like lose some effectiveness later on but it isn't like it's happening every start or he's at least getting into trouble every start to the point where it's like oh nola can be good but he's still nola you know like it 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 feels like when he has those bad sixth or seventh innings it just happens and that's i feel like that's Mm -hmm. a that's a nice thing to feel because before it was okay he's gone five scoreless or six innings one run he hasn't really fallen off yet but you might have to pull him because he will and it'll blow up on you like that. But now it's like, it might not happen. And if it does, you know what? That's the thing that happens to pitchers sometimes.
1: Yeah. And I think like heading into this season and last season and early parts of this year, like I've been a pretty big critic of Nola. And right now it just feels like he's settled in and is like back in a groove. I don't really have any complaints as of late about how he's been Pitching, he's been he's been good, and they're gonna need that. Him stepping up is like really, really big.
0: Yeah, numbers say three fifty. I test says it's twenty eighteen again. That's my. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if no, I can. Not, not quite. That not quite. Not quite. Not quite. It's like it's like it's like twenty twenty Nola. Pretty good. Like yeah, or like, somebody you'll like, take in your number two. Like
1: late twenty seventeen when he like really started to kind of show like all right, this is this is like the guy.
0: Like I, I, I don't remember back that far, but yeah,
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Anything else we talk, to? We, yeah. Should
0: we talk a little Kyle Gibson, Ranger Suarez? Because, yeah, uh, okay. I'm going to give you another, because we're talking about numbers that are fake. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple more numbers that are fake. Kyle Gibson, his earned run average this year, 4.41. Ranger Suarez, 4.40. Kyle Gibson has been better this year than Ranger Suarez. I will die on yes, that hill. Yeah. That's fair. I
1: think so too. No uh Ranger Suarez. Um, I think he had some earned runs going on yesterday. So yeah, that's part of it. Might be yeah. might be why it feels uh a little low. But yeah, just as a whole, it's like, can Ranger Suarez miss some bats? Like that would be helpful, and he doesn't really do it all that often and then at the same time the Phillies have a bad third baseman and most of the time a bad defensive shortstop um, when he's healthy so it's it's like the combination of the guy who can't miss bats with a really bad left side of the left side of the infield on defense like it's it's a poor combination and it's similar with Gibson too but he's like feel at least it feels like he's missed more bats this year Um than he had
0: before, and definitely more than Suarez. Suarez is missing bats, but it's because he's walking everybody, which is not a good way to miss bats. And that gets him in trouble. And then, like you said, and it's even happened this year, and it happened all the time last year because Ranger Suarez is the guy. Like when you think of him, you think of the heartbeat and the fact that he's still calm. And it feels like he still is, but when you put the defense, as you said, behind him, you have a you know bad defense at third which cost them once, arguably twice in the first inning yesterday. And if your catcher who is, you know, I still think a pretty good defender, but if he's not playing like what in a spot where you really need him to catch a ball thrown after a comebacker and then turn a pretty routine double play for a major league baseball player, it doesn't really help out your pitcher very much. And so that kind of sunk him. But also you shouldn't walk four guys in four innings. That doesn't really no. help. I feel like Suarez, like, at this point, I'd probably put him as their number five. Like, you know, even if that's not his exact turn right now, he feels like a number five. And he still feels like a pretty good number five because he'll occasionally give you the seven innings, two runs that he did last start. A a lot uh, of
1: number fives are bad.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, like, yeah, a lot of number fives are bad. And if, if if you have a guy with a 440 ERA in your number five spot, like, that's fine. And then Gibson as a number four, Feels fine, too, even though his ERA is higher. But, again, that's fake, so it doesn't matter. Eflin as a number three is pretty good. Nola as a number two is pretty good. Wheeler, obviously, is one of the best pitchers in baseball. So the staff is in a pretty good spot. You would still like to get a little more from Ranger Suarez, and I guess Kyle Gibson, too.
1: What are, you, what are you, your thoughts right now on the Phillies bullpen? Corey Knievel has some shoulder problems. He's not on the injury list or anything. But before that, it looked like he like lost his curveball for at least a couple outings, has blown some saves. You talked about um, near the start of the winning streak, how they almost blew it against the Diamond or against the Angels before Stott hit the walk off. And Kniebel was the one to give up um, or he gave up a run in the ninth there. Um, so just what are your thoughts Sir Anthony Dominguez as a whole has been really good? I talked about Brad Hand. If you get him with no runners
0: on, he's usually all right. Um, What are your thoughts on the bullpen as a whole? I think they can weather the Kniebel being not great storm because of Connor Brogdon. And having him back is just so big because now you can put Sir Anthony in still the highest leverage spot, which I think is the best role for him. Like, with Kniebel, like, it's weird because I still overall generally trust him like if if you were to tell me they go into the ninth with a one-run lead and able on the mound I, I definitely wouldn't put my life on it but I don't know I feel like he's good enough to get the job done more times than not obviously more times than not isn't really the standard you want to hold a closer to especially one you paid what was it 10 million dollars uh, despite injury concerns but I think having Connor Brogdon back as the guy who he's not like a lockdown guaranteed three outs either but he's maybe the next closest thing after uh sir anthony having those two guys at the at the at the very back end or to pitch the seventh and eighth or if you brad have brad hand at the start of a clean inning like i think the bullpen's fine Bilotti, i actually think is okay and then you have guys who can mop up innings like nelson and james norwood and you know other guys back there who can just get you through it so i think the bullpen is actually in a okay spot like I'm I'm never gonna the bullpen's not good I'm never gonna be like oh they have a one run lead going into the seventh this game's over like it it isn't exactly the you know whoever those three I'm Holland Davis Herrera that the Royals had in 2015 Mm -hmm. but more often than not if they have guys available which they do now because of you know maybe different bullpen rules or things like that like I generally feel somewhat good about them and Connor Brockton is probably the biggest reason why maybe this is like no I don't I was gonna say it might be
1: nitpicky about like the roster construction but I don't think it even is um they just brought Alvarado back up um and it's like right now I would and right now they have two guys up in the big leagues and there are two minor leaguers um, both on the 40-man that I would trust over the major leaguers. I would swap out Norwood and Alvarado for – they just sent Chris Sanchez back down for Alvarado. Like, I, I trust Chris Sanchez out of the bullpen right now more than Alvarado, and I'd rather have Morales than Norwood right now. Um, Mark Capel? Yeah, the, the, you'd have to make a 40 move there, and they're already on a yeah. roster crunch. Um, I don't know. I think Sam Coonrod could be starting a rehab, like, relatively soon. Um, he was like one of the like five hardest throwers in baseball the last like two years. I'm pretty sure like he'd be a help if he's actually healthy and looks like himself. I think that if he comes back and is, is good, that could like, like you said, they're not going to be like this top five bullpen, but that could another, just another guy that you can rely on a little bit would help solidify them as all right. Like we're comfortable with what we have.
0: Yeah. I thought it was funny how they brought Alvarado back up. Um, two walks, two runs, two hits in yeah. one and, inning. More the just, same.
1: Just and it's not they can't call Sanchez right back up or anything. Where it's like i probably trust Christopher Sanchez over Nick Nelson right now too. I don't. I don't get why they sent him down after three scoreless relief appearances, one of them being the the ninth inning to close out a win in a four run game. Like, yeah. I, what Chris Sanchez is not like make or breaking your team, but you know, they're not in a spot where they can, uh, you know, give up outs, <laughs> but like wherever they can get them.
0: Yeah. The good thing is, they haven't, like, I mean, the way that the starting rotation has been pitching recently, they haven't had a huge need for the long relief guy. I know they did yesterday with Nelson and it didn't go well, but like, if if their middle relief, long relief options aren't great. If the start if if the starters are going to go six seven innings every game even five, I don't yeah. think it's going to kill them. So you're right it doesn't it doesn't I don't understand that move a whole lot either. But as you said, I don't really think it's going to make or break your team. And I think with what they have in the back end right now, even if all the pieces around it or even some of those pieces themselves on you know the occasional night are kind of shaky, I don't know. I the the bullpen might sink them like this might, might just be a thing that's happening now, but in terms of the last week or so the bullpen has been fine to me.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, before we wrap up any, any predictions coming up for the, for the Marlins series, any, you have any hot takes or any, any thoughts that you want to get off your chest?
0: Let's see. We've got Alcantara, Nola, Eflin Rogers, Gibson Lopez. Alcantara and Lopez, it's tough. They might win one out of three, but again, I it wouldn't be at the point where I'm like totally panicking yet. So I don't know. I have a, I have a take. I think they're
1: going. I think they're going to light up Alcantara. Really, I do. They,
0: because you know the Phillies on. have the Phillies have always done that. Even when Sandy Alcantara wasn't one of the best pitchers in baseball, they just always hit him so well. No, and he's he's really good. He's a guy
1: I've liked for a long time. Um. I still think it's just I think they're gonna I think they're gonna show up before um for tonight's game and I think they're gonna like
0: score five runs on them. I I don't see it, but we'll see. Because you <laughs> kind of because you kind of took it like in indirectly, brought up the lineup, uh, and I'm trying to find a way to force this conversation in there because I kind of want to talk about it. Can we talk about Nick Cassianos for a second? Because he went 0 for 3 yesterday with 3 strikeouts and he had a big strikeout in that spot with the bases loaded and one out in the 5th inning. And everything I saw like on on Twitter and on maybe the broadcast too, actually don't don't quote me on that. I don't know if they talked about it on the broadcast was Nick Castellanos is in a huge funk. He's really going through it right now. And I was like, yeah, he really is. So I went on B-ref to check his game logs of the last few games and what I saw was that he was hitting in his last five games entering sunday, he was hitting 368, which the theme of this podcast feels like fake stats. That's a fake stat. Because it just feels like right now it's and one of those hits, the only extra base hit was that check swing double down, down yeah. the line where he took like, I don't even know, it looked more like a bunt than a swing. And it like yeah. barely and he, he didn't he didn't
1: know where he didn't know where it was. So he didn't even run for like two seconds.
0: Yeah. And he just he doesn't look like the same hitter that I'm used to seeing out of him because it feels like where he makes his money. Um, I guess both literally and figuratively is he, he, he works counts. And then when he gets ahead in those counts, he punishes guys. And when he falls behind in those counts, like he's down one, two or Oh, two or even two, two, you know, they give him something good. And he does that little, like poke it in the right field for a single. And that's why he's he's you know generally always hits for power and he always hits for it's for average too but it feels like right now he's just chasing everything it feels like he's trying to swing his way out of the funk and you know he's 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 chasing first pitch changeups that are like off the plate and 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 low and he's chasing these sliders in the dirt and it feels like he's just trying to swing at everything when that's not the kind of hitter that he is um or at, at, at least the kind of hitter that i think he's best with that approach, I don't know if that was a sentence, but Rob yeah, Rob, no, Rob Thompson, right. yeah, Thompson said the same thing yesterday when Phillies Nations Tim Kelly asked him what he thinks the problem with Castellanos is right now, and he said he's uh geez, the exact quote. It's not really good preparation on, on my part, but he said he's just chasing too many pitches. He said he's kind of jumping, uh, which I think is a good way of putting it. He's swinging at everything, he's trying to hit his way, he's trying to swing his way out of it when. It feels like he's a guy that thrives in those deep counts, whether he's ahead or behind. And I think if he gets back to that, he'll be fine. But what I'm seeing right now is a lot of over swinging, chasing pitches off the plate and counts where you don't need to do that. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of what you're seeing. Yeah, I that.
1: think he could, I think he could benefit from a day off or two. I know that makes it harder when Harper, not being able to play the field at all. Um, makes that a little harder but you know a day where you start like Moniak and Veerling like both of them or something like that um and just give him a day off because it, it does seem like he's pressing if you can just give him a day off his feet let, like clear his head and you know kind of just get back to like you said the approach that has made him like the player he is that made the Phillies want to sign him I think that could benefit everybody
0: Yeah, especially when you have, when you know Matt, Matt Verley can play second base, there's a lot of things you can do to fill that extra outfield spot.
1: It's true. That's true. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Unless you have anything real quick you want to add?
0: I don't think so. I mean, five game series against the Nationals, that's probably around when we're going to be recording next. So it feels like one where they should take four out of five because the Nationals are
1: bad unfortunately unfortunately they the phillies now have brad hand so they won't be able to uh beat up on that's the nationals true. that way because that's that's how they got i think like a third of their wins all of last season uh okay. beating brad hand on the nationals yeah so base that series we'll talk to you next in the meantime phillies taking on the marlins thank you everyone for listening we'll talk to you next time